From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. You probably, several times a day, without really thinking about it, reach for a drink. My guest today is going to talk about what's most important to consider in choosing a beverage, and will cover a wide range of drinks. Dr. Koshal Nanavati is the Assistant Dean of Wellness at Upstate, an Assistant Professor of Family Medicine and Medical Director of Integrative Therapy, and he's also a frequent guest on HealthLink on Air. Thank you for making time again, Dr. Nadavati. Thank you for having me, Amber. I appreciate it. Well, let's start with what I assume that you're going to tell us is the most important, water. How much water do we need each day, and, and what do our bodies do with water? So the classic, uh, you know, thing is that, you know, eight ounces of, you know, eight, eight ounce glasses of water a day is what was historically kind of recommended. And then the Institute of Medicine came out with a recommendation that actually probably for men, it should be closer to 104 ounces of water per day, which would be like 13 cups. Uh, and for women, at least 72 ounces, which would be like nine cups. And then for children, it varies depending on their age and size. And so a simple rule of thumb, actually, that's even reasonable is to say, if you take your body weight in, in pounds and just cut it in half, Whatever that number is can be the amount of uh, ounces of uh, water that you should drink in a day. So way more than probably most of us have been drinking. Well, that's right, because for most of us, you know, when we say 88 ounce glasses, you know, a lot of my patients will sometimes say, yeah, I get about four to six. That's not bad. Right, Doc? And in reality, it might be. Huh. You know, it might be bad for them. Yeah. So most of us have safe tap water. Um, is that okay to drink or should we be drinking the bottled water? So the deal is, I mean, in general terms, you know, a lot of people think, well, you know, my tap water is dirty. And I'm going to drink bottled water. First of all, it's important to get your tap water, especially if you have well water and things like that. You should get it checked regularly. Uh, but, you know, generally bottled water is no cleaner or safer um, or healthier than tap water. And uh, the federal government probably has more rigorous and frequent safety testing that's required for municipal water uh, than we might think. So honestly, tap water is just as good. In fact, bottled water, uh, the problem with that is that one, the expense. So where tap water might cost two cents per gallon, bottled water can actually cost up to 64 cents per gallon or nearly 32 times as much. And then you think about the plastic bottles uh, and the environmental impact that that has. Uh, you know, I, I think I was reading some statistic that said it takes more than 17 million barrels of oil uh, to produce enough plastic water bottles to meet America's annual demand for bottled water. So then the fact that we can't, don't do a great job of getting rid of the plastic and that it doesn't really decompose as well, uh, and recycling policies aren't the strongest even now, uh, you know, makes it more reasonable for people to recognize that, generally speaking, most of our tap water, especially here in the United States, uh, is good. And local municipalities on their websites have a lot of information. So if you have any doubts, you can always call your local municipality to find out. Uh, or, you know, get the reusable, uh, you know, BPA-free uh, water bottles that then you can refill from your tap and then and enjoy the water. Now, a lot of the bottled waters that I see on the store shelves, they're, they've got flavors in them or they're carbonated. 
does that take away from the benefit of of drinking water if you choose something like that? So water itself is fine. When you think about the flavorings, part of the issue is, one, where is the flavoring coming from and what is the flavoring? So when we read things like, you know, natural flavors, uh, that's a very broad term that doesn't really specifically let us know what led to that natural flavor. Was it a a chemical, you know, that was uh, utilized or built in a lab, uh, put together to create a flavor, or is it actually natural from the fruit itself, etc.? So, uh, oftentimes the issue is is not the water itself, but it's the stuff that goes in. So sometimes it's sugars and acids, and those can have a negative impact even when it comes to oral health, your teeth, the enamel gum health and inflammation uh, and over time that can create a problem when you think about carbonated waters you know there's a difference between kind of just you know you think about seltzer and you think about club soda and club soda has sodium in there which for some people may not be optimal whereas seltzer is primarily aerated water and the way they aerate it is using carbon dioxide uh, then you think about other carbonated you know drinks where now there's flavoring in there and some of that in tonic water has uh, sugar in there as well. So for people that have irritable bowel syndrome and things like that, sometimes the carbonated beverages can actually trigger, you know, increased bloating and gas for some people, and that could trigger their irritable bowel to get set off as well. Uh, so people have to be careful about that as well. Does the temperature of the water matter? Does it, if, if we like to drink it ice cold versus room temperature, is there a difference? So there is actually, this is a, it's a great question. There's some very interesting information because when people want to lose weight, um, you know, they talk about drinking cold water because uh, what happens is then the body has to use up more energy to kind of bring it closer to, you know, the body temperature. And so, you know, some studies would say that, you know, people who drink cold water, it might even boost their metabolism uh, and they may burn up to even as much as 70 calories in a day. Uh, whereas people that drink warm water for digestion, warm water is thought to be better. Uh, and in you know the world of things like Chinese medicine and in Ayurvedic medicine, they even talk about helping you know having people drink a glass of warm water or a few glasses of warm water first thing in the morning uh, to actually help with digestion. Um, others think that you know drinking warm water can actually help with certain types of pain such as menstrual cramps, headaches, even some joint aches and pains for some people. So cold water feels better, especially when we're exercising uh, and even in terms of helping a little bit with metabolism, whereas warm water may actually be better for digestion. You're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, speaking with Dr. Koshal Nanavati, the Assistant Dean of Wellness at Upstate, about healthy beverage choices. Now, many of us have a habit of drinking coffee or tea. Is that good or bad? So uh, coffee and tea, you know, uh, and again, depend who you talk to, even which physician you speak with uh, or health expert and what their own personal habits are <laughs> may have their own bias. And I'm smiling when I say this uh, because I enjoy making my own chai tea in the morning uh, as kind of my self-care. Um, so coffee and tea, the main issue with them a lot of times is uh, the caffeine content. 
and then the way in which they're prepared, uh, so the acidity uh, and the impact that that can have on people in terms of not only digestion, but if they have a history of things like reflux disease and that sort of thing. So teas historically have been used for you know healing in multiple cultures around the world, uh, and there are different you know ways to. There's the art of tea making, uh, depending on whether you're making you know chai tea, as I mentioned, you know uh, that's you know used in India, depending on what you put in there between ginger and cardamom, cinnamon, you know uh, black pepper, etc. Uh, and then there's also tea that's uh, used in the Far East for medicinal purposes and healing, and oftentimes those teas don't have any kind of milk in them. So that's a different kind of tea. Uh, then you have things like chamomile tea, which have been shown to be soothing and can even help benefit with sleep and things like that. Uh, and tea generally tends to have less caffeine than coffee, but also, if you leave tea on the stove and keep it steeping or brewing longer, it becomes more and more acidic. And so that's something to be careful of. Same thing with coffee is, you know, coffee, we know that two cups of caffeinated coffee in a 24-hour period can raise your blood pressure by 5 to 10 points, which basically is about a 25 to 5% increased risk uh, for a heart attack or stroke. Um, so, you know, again, too much caffeinated coffee uh, can put people at risk, especially if they have a risk of heart disease, blood pressure, etc. At the same time, caffeine as a stimulant can help us with alertness, uh, paying attention, that sort of thing. And so a little bit may go a long way, but a lot may cause more harm than good. What do you say to your patients who like to get their caffeine from soda? So what I tell them is that there's uh, interesting data. There's one study that showed that Women who had one sugared soda a day versus women who had one sugared soda a month, the women who had one sugared soda a day had nearly a 63% increased risk of rheumatoid arthritis showing up. Now, when you think about that, and these, this wasn't like 20 uh, people that they looked at. This was, you know, looking at thousands of women. And so while it was not a randomized double-blinded placebo-controlled trial, and it was more of a, an analysis over time, uh, what that does show is that the impact is inside the cell, inside the nucleus, at the DNA. And women who had two to three sugar sodas a day had nearly a 20 to 30% increased risk of cardiovascular disease in another study. So what we know is with soda, uh, the problem is all of the ingredients in there, really the high sugar content and the impact that, that has on things like inflammation, on impact on oral health and on the teeth and decay, uh, potential for uh, you know bacterial overgrowth, which leads to uh, gingivitis, leads to cavities, etc. In the in the mouth, it can also have an impact on you know gut conditions like irritable bowel syndrome or inflammation in the bowel, uh, and also these are calories that are not the healthiest calories, and so when you get a sugar load in, the body releases insulin. Insulin tells the brain, hey, I'm going to bring some sugar in. I need to store it somewhere. And usually that storage is fat cells. So again, uh, you know, it's important for people to realize that drinking ice water uh, can have just as much of a stimulant effect as can drinking, you know, uh, soda or caffeine. And so being healthier in the long term uh, is going to help them as well. 
Well, what about energy drinks that are, these seem to be very popular with people that are trying to, you know, stay awake. Um, they, they've got more, maybe more sugar than soda has and maybe more caffeine. Are they dangerous choices? So yeah, with energy drinks, you know, we often see this where people, because the containers are usually smaller, uh, instinct is for, well, I'll just have two. Or, you know, I'll have one, you know, the five hour energy means every five hour I can have this. But the amount of caffeine in there is really at a high, high quantity. And that can lead to things like rhythm disturbances in the heart, uh, increased blood pressure, anxiety, um, you know, and palpitations where you can feel your heart beating, that type of stuff. So uh, I definitely recommend against those drinks. Uh, for people, especially if they're trying to use that as self-therapy to try to boost their energy. I think, you know, trying to get outside for a walk, getting up out of the chair, getting some fresh air, drinking ice water, making a little snack where you cut up some fruit uh, or even cut up some cucumbers and carrots, squeeze some lime on it, a little pinch of salt and pepper, and suddenly that flavor will perk you up as well. Uh, there are many healthy ways to boost your energy. Uh, and I don't think that the energy drinks provide any health value for sure. And at the same time, maybe more of a detriment, uh, especially because what people don't realize is, you know, the classic caffeine high and then the caffeine low, sugar high and sugar low. And so you might get a boost, but then within a few hours, you get a real low uh, drained feeling. And now you want more of that stuff. And so that leads to kind of, it's, it's almost like a gateway behavior in terms of the addiction and the urge and the need for wanting more. The, uh, the sports drinks that are out there, that, like Gatorades and Power Aids, those are different than the energy drinks. Those are supposedly you know, strong electrolyte uh, replenishers. Are those something that are that are recommended if you've got um, you know a, an intense workout that sort of thing? Do those help? So electrolytes are necessary, especially when people work out for more than an hour. So if you're working out for under an hour, usually water is fine for most people. You know, uh, obviously, if you have a highly intense, high intensity workout, it's a different story. But for a majority of us, working out less than an hour, water is good enough. When you work out for more than an hour, you might lose a lot more sodium in your sweat and that sort of thing. And if the muscles get more fatigued, you can get cramping if the potassium and magnesium are lower. So you know, these energy drinks and this whole industry has ballooned. The problem is that with these energy drinks, there's a lot of uh, sugar in many of them. And also the coloring that's used, especially the blue and the yellow coloring, uh, can have a detrimental effect uh, on patients as well uh, in terms of their gut uh, and is also in triggering inflammation. Uh, so what we tell them is try to drink more natural electrolyte-based solutions. So uh, things like, you know, making homemade lemonade. A recipe I like is homemade limeade with ginger, uh, where, you know, you can use lime, you can put a little bit of salt in there, uh, you can actually put some fresh peeled grated ginger, uh, and then use natural sweetener, whether it be, you know, local honey or brown sugar or agave or even a little bit of maple syrup, and then water and crushed ice. And lime is a great source of magnesium and potassium, better source of vitamin C compared to even oranges for size. Ginger is an anti-inflammatory. When you sweat, you need the sodium, so the salt helps with that. Uh, and then, you know, you got the water right in there. And that's a much more flavorful and much healthier way to try to get your electrolytes than to get something in a plastic bottle that might have been sitting on a shelf for a year or longer. 
Upstate's HealthLink on Air will be right back after this short break with more about selecting the best beverages with Dr. Koshal Nanavati. Welcome back to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Koshal Nanavati about how to choose what's best to drink. Now, one thing we haven't talked about is fruit juice. And I know I've heard people say that it's better to eat a whole fruit, but what's so wrong with fruit juice? Why, why, uh, why, are, why is that not recommended necessarily? I, mean, I think the main thing with fruit juice is the fact that, you know, if you think about orange juice, one glass of orange juice probably requires about, uh, you know, two to three oranges, right, squeezed in there, which means you got two to three oranges worth of acid, you got two to three oranges worth of sugar in that glass. Whereas if you eat one orange and drink that glass of water, you've got, you know, nearly a third of the sugar and the citric acid. And so for people in terms of calories, when they're concerned about that, when people have, you know, issues with diabetes, even with, uh, you know, conditions such as cancer, et cetera, especially certain types, now we have to be careful about the sugar load the juices have. So I tell people, if you're going to have juice and you like to have juice, try to have it earlier in the day where you can use up the sugar and those calories, but you don't want to have it at nighttime. And also it's important, you know, once you drink juice or have sugar sweetened beverages or that type of stuff, uh, to rinse your mouth, to wash your mouth so that you don't, um, you know, create an environment that is promoting bacterial growth in the mouth as well. Let me ask you, if you um, eat fruit like an orange, does that count towards your water for the day? Does that fluid count? Absolutely. Uh, you know, and so when you think about the foods that are, you know, water rich, uh, you can think about, you know, watermelon, first of all, is a great one, but cucumbers, uh, some of your leafy greens, spinach, that sort of thing, they're a really great source uh, of uh, high water content. And so, you know, it's not just about how many glasses of water you drink. The fluid content of the foods you have um, actually makes a big difference as well. So it's not like you have to be flavorless. Uh, and if you think about taking water and naturally flavoring it, you know, with either cucumber or mint, um, or some people uh, will actually take berries and put them in an ice tray with some water and freeze them, and then just put them in their glass of water. And as they melt, you get the flavor. Uh, you can take a lemon, a lime, and an orange in a pitcher of water and, you know, cut it in half and squeeze each one in there. And then with the other halves, just cut them into slices and put them in the pitcher. And over time, you'll start to get the flavor uh, of that, you know, infusing into the water. And that can be great. Now, another popular beverage is the smoothie. What advice do you have about making or selecting a smoothie that is actually good for you? So generally with smoothies, you know, a lot of people will be fruit heavy and greens poor, right? So they'll put a lot more fruit in a little bit of greens. Uh, if you're making a smoothie, ideally what you want to do is, you know, have a good volume of greens, uh, whether it be spinach or kale or whatever you prefer, uh, along with, you know, one or two uh, fruit at the most. And then you can you put, either put some water in there. Some people like to put milk or almond milk or yogurt in there, uh, and that's fine too. Um, uh, if you like to make it with water, you can actually, a simple recipe would be if you took baby spinach, one or two cups, uh, took a, an orange, took an apple, uh, and then actually squeeze half a lime in there uh, and maybe a quarter inch of ginger 
uh, and then some water. Uh, and that can make for a great healthy smoothie. Uh, other people like to make things like, you know, use almond milk with banana uh, and some greens in there. Uh, so you can get very creative, but the key is not to overload the sugar sources uh, and try to get more of the greens in there as possible. Well, that reminds me that I want to ask you about milk. Um, there's so many milks um, that are options today, but let's just start with regular cow's milk. Is this something that only children need or should adults be drinking cow's milk as well? So I'm smiling because you're taking me into a very, you know, uh, politically charged, controversial um, topic. And in New York State, you know, the dairy industry in our state is, is huge. Uh, and milk has a lot of health benefits in terms of calcium and the protein it provides and vitamin D. Uh, so, you know, my thing with milk is if people tolerate it well and they like it, um, then they can drink it. They can continue to drink it. But many people, as they get older, um, actually get more and more lactose intolerant. And so if you find that you're, you know, getting either bloating or gas or changing stools or having fatigue, a simple thing that you can do is just eliminate the dairy for one to four weeks and then bring it back in and see how differently you felt, right? Uh, so that's one thing that you can do. Um, in terms of necessity, um, realistically, what most of the literature says is actually after infancy, many of us don't really need to have milk specifically, uh, but we do need the calcium and we do need the proteins and we do need the vitamin D and it becomes a great source for those things. Uh, cheese is another thing, yogurt's another thing. And in the dairy family, probably I would say yogurt because of the probiotics uh, has you know that added benefit um, for the gut and the gut health as well. So maybe if we're not like natural milk drinkers, we just don't like it, we need to be mindful of finding a source for vitamin D and calcium and protein elsewhere. And healthy fats, right? That's the other thing that milk provides as well. So uh, that would be the thing. And as far as other types of milks, you think about almond milk and we think about soy milk and coconut milk. And, uh, you know, there's nothing specifically wrong with those. Um, and the key is, you know, too much of a good thing can be bad also, you know, in some cases. So, again, if you're having, uh, you know, milk or dairy products in moderation, uh, they can be a part of the diet. Um, the Harvard Healthy Eating Plate actually uh, doesn't necessarily specifically put dairy into, uh, you know, their healthy eating plate as a primary component. And some of that has to do with the fact that most of the components that dairy provides, we can get from other food sources. Uh, so that's the main reason. And again, if we do drink milk, that goes toward our total of, of liquid intake for the day as well, right? That's correct. So milk um, and any non-caffeinated beverage that you have goes towards your overall fluid intake. Uh, with caffeinated beverages, because that can also uh, work as a bit of a diuretic or making you pee, uh, you can't count it as a full serving necessarily. Now, you said caffeinated beverages don't count. What about alcoholic beverages? So caffeinated beverages, I won't say don't count, but they count partly, right? Uh, so I don't want to make that clear. Alcohol, again, you know, specifically one, depending on what type of alcohol you have. So generally speaking, uh, alcohol does have liquid in it. Uh, but when it comes to the recommendation of the American Cancer Society, 
um, you know, the goal is if you don't drink, you don't need to start. And if you do drink, you want to try to limit your consumption. Uh, and uh, generally speaking, the Heart Association, even the Cancer Society, um, state that, you know, for men up to two drinks a day, if they do normally drink, would be the maximum. And for women, one drink would be the maximum. Uh, although we do have data uh, that shows that any consumption of alcohol increases your risk for cancer across the board. And so from that perspective, you know, if you're asking me, yeah, I'm not one to tell somebody, you know, yeah, you should go and drink alcohol because I don't really know that the, the positive, there are any positives that outweigh the negative consequences. Well, from time to time, we see a study that pops up saying that a daily glass of red wine, specifically red wine, is good for your heart. Um, is that not necessarily true? Well, so again, from the data, you know, it suggests that uh, there is some, uh, there's thought to be some benefit. Primarily, we think about resveratrol as being the thing. Uh, but we also know that alcohol can have a uh, dilation effect on the vessels. And, and that may also be a potential contributing factor in terms of impacting blood pressure, uh, opening up the vessels a little bit. In the long term, unfortunately, people that drink alcohol regularly, it can also cause something called dilated cardiomyopathy, uh, which can then lead to things like uh, heart failure over time. Uh, and so that's also something to be careful about. Um, and so that people have to put, you know, again, moderation is the key. Uh, you know, none of us uh, necessarily are going to do everything right all the time. But I think having good information allows people to make better informed choices. And so if, if somebody enjoys having a glass of wine once in a while, um, you know, the potential um, harm is not as much as if somebody's having three, four glasses of wine a day. Gotcha. Well, let's return to the subject of water, um, because I think you've sort of convinced us all that that's really the best thing to, you know, load up on, drink, drink a lot of water. But that's a little bit easier said than done. Do, do you have any tips or tricks for making water a little more palatable or more appealing or easier to drink a big quantity of? So one of the simple things that people can do, and this is something that's, you know, kind of talked about in Chinese medicine or Ayurvedic medicine, uh, is that in the morning when you first wake up, um, having, you know, a couple of glasses, anywhere from one to four glasses, eight ounce glasses of room temperature water can actually help not only your digestion, but then that helps you to start the day ahead. So uh, some people will squeeze a little bit of lemon or lime in their water. Uh, some people will overnight, you know, put cucumber and mint uh, in a jug of water and leave it, you know, on the, on the kitchen counter. So when they come in the morning, you know, it's already flavored well. And so that, that can also be a way to do it. Um, and then, Generally speaking, when you're eating, uh, ideally, if you're going to drink water, you can have maybe a glass, you know, with your food uh, to help. But you don't want to over drink uh, fluids while you're eating because we also want to be able to digest the food without pushing it into the small intestines too quickly. So a lot of uh, traditions talk about drinking, you know, maybe an eight ounce glass of water with your meal, but then about a half hour later having another glass of water. Uh, I think natural flavoring with either a uh, little bit of fruit, uh, mint, uh, you know, you can even uh, put in, uh, as they say, some berries and that sort of thing. 
uh, is probably the easiest way to uh, make water fun uh, for somebody who doesn't enjoy drinking plain water all the time. Uh, and so that would work. Well, I've found this very uh, informative. This has been very helpful. I, I want to thank you. My guest has been Dr. Koshal Nanavati. He's the Assistant Dean of Wellness at Upstate. He's an Assistant Professor of Family Medicine, and he's the Medical Director of Integrative Therapy at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.